OK, you're more interested in ecology, have a little calculus, but really want to get on with saving coral reefs or hairy-nosed wombats. Why bother with number crunching? Well, meet Dr Kate Homstead at QUT. So I loved maths. I was always a maths nerd. I always liked the little feeling of a buzz when you solved a problem, but I always wanted problems to be real. And I always wanted to think that I could make a difference with the world with the type of maths that I do. And there's many ways that you can do that. And I happened to meet a professor at the university that I was studying at who used maths to make a big difference in ecological systems. And so that gave me this impetus to move into mathematical ecology, which I've stayed in the rest of my career. Trouble with nature. It's so complicated, so many things to measure. How do you start? How do you select? So the good thing about maths is maths is really, really good at understanding and describing very simple things. And most very complex things are just a lot of simple things all built together. So that's why maths is really, really important for understanding ecological systems. Too much is really happening in the background of ecological systems to truly be able to go and learn everything about it just by observation. And so what we need to do is use mathematics to try and get at that complexity. So we take a little crack at trying to understand how complex it is and model it. We're often wrong. We've gone too simplistic, let's say, and then we have to build a bit more complexity in. But that's the fun in it. And that's why maths is so important for ecological systems. Which ones? Take me into the field. Yes. So in my work, I've looked at Antarctic ecosystems, the Great Barrier Reef. We focus on systems where there's interesting trade-offs that need to be made between different land uses. And that tends to take us into the world of thinking about forests and agriculture, for example. And so we look at all different types of systems, some very charismatic, like Antarctica and Great Barrier Reef, and some just really critically important. Take me to the Barrier Reef. What do you do? What do you count? What we really want when we're thinking about saving the reef, we want to keep ecosystem complexity. So we want it to be big and we want it to have everything. And we also want to maintain what we call services that the Great Barrier Reef provides to us. Australian economy relies upon the Great Barrier Reef for tourism and jobs and food and education and traditional owner values. So all of these things that we want to preserve in the Great Barrier Reef are really big and complicated. And so when we think about measuring them, we have to think about measuring more like proxies of those things. And so unlike a forest where you can easily go and kind of count the trees or fly a drone and, and try and guess how big or estimate how big that forest is, the Great Barrier Reef is hiding under the water. It's, it's harder to just observe from drones or satellite images, although we do take a crack at that. And so what we tend to do is in the reef, we measure coral cover. And we think that the amount and the complexity of coral in some way indicates the health of the entire ecosystem. Can you tell the different types of coral apart? Because if it's going to be biodiverse, it's got to have a range of them and not just the big one that overwhelms everything. So coral is actually one of the ones where even I, as a mathematician, could probably go into the field and with pretty good confidence tell you it's that coral or another coral. They have different shapes, they have different sizes, they have different colours, they look very different. But if we think about Antarctic ecosystems, for example, where a lot of the biodiversity in Antarctica is moss and lichens and small insects, those I would go and I would say pretty sure that's moss versus lichen. But people who are real moss specialists could go in and say it's this specific type of moss and that is important for different reasons. Kate, knowing what you know, do your other colleagues out in the world, the biologists and so on, appreciate what you can provide? In the current 
scientific and political climate, the trust for data science and mathematics is quite high and really increasing. At the moment, we're in a situation where all different types of people and from all different walks of life, people are realising there is so much data. We're living in a data-rich world. We have a deluge of data. And understanding that the reason you might want to have that much data is to do something with it. It's not helpful to have data on a USB stick in a drawer. And so people want to use the data that they have. And via statistics and mathematics, what we can do is say we can help with that. We can take- Do they know it though? Do they know it? Most of them do. Most ecologists, ecologists have a very high respect for mathematics. They call on you? They call on me, yes. Well, that's a relief. As we speak, funnily enough, this week, the cover story of The Economist, which has a superb science coverage in general, is the future of science as AI is soaring. Yes. When people think about AI, some people feel a little bit of concern that robots are going to take over the world and AI is going to be evil. But when I think about AI, I think about AI as being a set of incredibly useful mathematical tools that can help us look at a ton, like just an absolute ton of data and tease information and stories out of that. And so to me, the future being built on AI is both true and incredibly exciting. It's quite interesting. I've got a nephew in Oxford who's just got a professorship because what he can do is take all the health stats, and of course there's zillions of them. It's almost as gigantic as that square kilometre array in the West. You've got so much stuff pouring from the heavens. So similarly with health, getting those figures all together and getting a pattern of what is the trend and the complexity of what you're doing. And it is really incredible, high frontier, isn't it? Health is really exciting when it comes to data and and at all different scales. Right now, we know more about the intercellular movements and how that respects to health. We know more about the small things that happen inside of our bodies and how cells react and how we react to disease. But then we also know a lot more about how people's well-being intersects with their physical health and how society societal level data, how that feeds into individualised health. And so if we think about the types of data that happen at all of those different scales, it's like what amazing opportunities at the moment for data science and mathematics to really make a difference in health. Amongst all that, you are now going to Antarctica. Is that for the first time? Yeah, I'm going to Antarctica for the first time in November. I'm incredibly excited. I'm taking part in a program called Homeward Bound, which is a women-only, women-in-science and STEM leadership training program where we do many, many hours of training and leadership before we go and we have coaching and we do leadership tests and all these things and then we go on this boat and we're really put in this isolated and very focused environment where we then do intensive leadership training for three weeks and build this incredible network of women across the world that have had this transformative experience both in terms of going to Antarctica, so exciting, but also this transformative experience experience in thinking about what is it to be a female leader in science and STEM. Will you have many other mathematicians aboard? It's such a mix. I don't think there's any other mathematicians on that ship, but mathematicians have gone in the past to this. And if you're a mathematician and you come back and in your slides at a mathematics conference, you can put a photo of you in Antarctica, you become pretty cool in the mathematics community. (laughs) Final point, Kate. If we have any young people who are at school listening to this program, And the record in maths in schools in Australia has been pretty dire recently. 
you seem to be telling them that this is the future. So even though you may not necessarily be totally like yourself, to have some aboard will change your life. We talk about maths now as being maths and other things because we know that the ways, yes, pure mathematics, sitting in a room doing mathematics with the blinds drawn in the dark, in the dust doing mathematics, there is there is room for that. There is contributions for that. But really the exciting opportunities for mathematics in the future is going to be maths and ecology, maths and health, maths and fashion, maths and chemistry, maths and the fine arts because knowing both of those types of fields will really help to understand how maths can contribute to those. And so it's no longer, are you like a maths tragic? Are you obsessed with maths? It's, can you see maths as a tool that you might be able to use in the future? And so my message to anyone who is in school or anyone who knows people in school is that if you have the tiniest inkling that maths might be exciting for you, if you like any of the feeling of being a little data detective or that little buzz of solving a problem and then feeling good at the end, then follow it. Just like follow that thread along and see how far it takes you. And and maybe you become a mathematician or maybe you become someone else who is just really well-versed in mathematics and how mathematics is going to change the world. So maths for music, for health, and now to change the world. What more do you want? Associate Professor Kate Homstead at the Queensland University of Technology.